Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the show that takes a look at pop culture, music, carnival culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. Hello, I'm Shannon Miller, the creative and inclusion editor at Adweek. Um, normally sitting to my proverbial right would be our very uh, new co-host, Luz Corona. However, she is taking a week off this week, um, a well-deserved week off. But that is okay, because I get... Um, our guest, all to myself, um, she is one of my favorite people at Adweek, our senior editor, Terry Stanley. Hello. Hello. Happy Friday. Yeah. Happy Friday to you, too. Um, those of you at home, we are taping on a Friday afternoon. Um, I feel like the title that I want to officially call you is the senior director, uh, editor of Fun Times, because we always bring you on to either talk booze or weed, weed or booze. And this time we're talking about weed. <laughs> it could, or, it, you know, it could be vice. Like I could have vice somewhere, you know, senior editor of vices. <laughs> that would be a good one. Uh, <laughs> Chancellor editor of vices, just some oh. ridiculous, ridiculous title. So I have you on Terry because about a week ago you wrote this really, really interesting article called cotton candy, corn dogs and cannabis California State Fair adds first time weed contest, which was a wild, wild concept for me. For someone who grew up with state fairs, uh, we are a big carnival state fair rodeo uh, state, Florida. So there is a very specific, specific image when you have that sort of culture and introducing cannabis. And that industry George, changes the ball game a bit. So can you talk a little bit about what is happening in that article? What prompted this piece? Absolutely. And thank you for having me. I always have fun when I come here. We love it. <laughs> I love, yeah, that's probably an ad. Um, <laughs> okay, so cannabis is an agricultural product in California. Um and it really should be treated as such. It has not been. 
And we have a big, big, big problem, massive problem here with the illicit market. Um, if you've, you, you might've seen some documentaries along those lines. Um, so there's a, there's a pull and tug where growing is concerned, you know, although everyone acknowledges it is a major cash crop for California really had not been given that kind of status at, at some mainstream level. But like you said, there is nothing more, um, Main Street USA than a state fair. It is the absolute like big tent, family friendly. Most of us grew up going to some kind of a fair, whether it was a local or a county or a state or whatever, but they're so ingrained in our culture here. And for this, this first ever move for the California State Fair in Sacramento, it's it's um, up in um, sort of northern-ish California, um, for them to have included this in such a way, it's not just a contest that would put it on par with um, California olive oil and wine and cheese and things that make this state well-known around the world, but they also have this very significant exhibit that is running the entire 17 days of the fair. So there is no on-site consumption. There is no on-site sale of cannabis, but this exhibit is educational in nature. It's history. It's um, it's about growing. It's about the, the science behind it. And it's also about the, um, the social inequity behind the, uh, the industry. And um, it, it's just a fascinating inclusion in the most sort of flag-waving, star-spangled kind of event that you can imagine. So to be clear, this isn't the first cannabis contest. We've seen cannabis contests in different iterations in the past, but this is the first time that it's being introduced um, into a state fair capacity, yeah, or or just in California. Yes, first time ever anywhere. I would expect other states might follow, but this is the first time it's been done at a state fair. There are private contests for cannabis, uh, things like uh you know, High Times, the Emerald Cup, there are definitely, those exist. And they they kind of have their own thing going on. I would consider them to be very much for industry. I, I wouldn't, it's not a consumer event. You know, yeah. you know folks are not just going to show up and it, it's definitely not, um, not on par with any big kind of, uh, public facing high traffic you know um mainstream event it's not it's mm. it's industry so what really fascinated me about this idea aside from the fact like oh god there is cannabis very much present at the state fair is what you said when about it being on par being considered on par with like cheese wine pie when you talk about just standard Americana. Nothing is more wholesome than like a blue ribbon pie. Like imagine the person that is like in grocery stores giving you unsolicited stories about their award-winning cookies. And it's it's likely a state fair that is awarding that honor. And it's not 
I mean, sometimes prizes are, are involved, but it's just sort of bragging rights. And it's this opportunity to participate in something super family friendly. And it's just sort of really woven into our culture. So to have cannabis on par with something like that, even though I believe you mentioned that the tent was like 21 and over this exhibit that's going to be present for all 17 days, it's still embedded in this very family friendly environment and considered a normal part of the state's agriculture, as you mentioned, as it should be. So that really speaks to how far we've come in this multi-billion dollar industry where 10 years ago, we were just sort of figuring out, like, how are we going to brand this? Like, how is this going to have any sort of presence in, in marketing, in our culture, in a way that really is divorced from, like, the previous perception of weed and cannabis. And now it's just chilling at a state fair. That's really wild to me. And I don't know. I absolutely loved that. Can you talk about the mechanics of the contest? There's no consumption or partaking on the grounds, but they still have to figure out who the winner is. So how does that work? They did that ahead of time. And they did it all very scientifically. The flower was sent to a lab and a lab handled it and basically analyzed it. So it kind of took the subjectivity out of it, which people really told me they loved because especially for some uh, younger or emerging brands, they, they would feel like, for instance, if they submitted themselves to their product to um, one of the private contests. And they maybe they didn't know people very well. They weren't uh, well enough established. They didn't have a big enough footprint. Um, they would feel like they were at a distinct disadvantage because, you know, there's probably a lot of lobbying that happens at, in those kinds of contests. And they are, um, you know, on there, they are going to be testing your product. So there's a lot of subjectivity involved with that. Somebody's going to smoke it and they're going to tell you what they like. And that is absolutely not what's happened at the at the California State Fair. Um Unlike probably some of the the food contests where there there probably is a lot of subjectivity, you know, you taste that you taste the cookies or the you know the whoopie pie or the you know whatever it is, and you decide if you like it or not. Um, in this case, it was very scientifically based, controlled in a lab. We're going to analyze this and we're going to come up with winners. So they did that in advance because knowing that there wouldn't be any consumption on site anyway, but I don't think they would have ever gone that route, even if it it had been allowed. I think they, they wanted to sort of establish this in a very different way. And just mm-hmm. as that point you brought up earlier about kind of the, not just the wholesomeness of this event, but putting it alongside all these other very well-established product categories, if you will. Um, it's just like some of the some of the other stories I've, I've covered recently over the last couple months, especially where cannabis brands are being invited to places that they never would have been allowed to come before, you know, some street fair or not just a music festival where you think those those products go hand in hand anyway, right? Those industries, music and weed, but not not just that. Um, 
officially, formally partnerships being created with um, with some particular local event that goes back many, many years and is very precious to that community. Well, all of a sudden now you can have a cannabis sponsor because they are and uh, you know a thriving business in your community they are part of your community and they're invited in where it, it it is very significant i think it cannot be overstated how important it is that these brands are starting to show up in these places where we even just as you said 5 years ago never would have seen them and mm-hmm. you know why is it that look at you know all big beer big alcohol but they're everywhere. They can sponsor anything. So it's a regulated industry too. So I think we will begin to see, we are seeing right now the beginnings of maybe modeling after after that, after big alcohol, but also kind of forging some, some new paths of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back to the removal of that subjectivity because that's going to be pretty key as you mentioned, for sort of smaller up-and-coming brands. As a Floridian, I have been front row to some huge scandals. I mean, in the carnival contest community, uh, pies that I have tasted, where I'm like, this was the obvious winner. Coming from a shady human being, sure. But this was a hands-down, like, stop-the-presses apple pie and yet it's not winning because the judges just don't like Betty. And that is that is not a real name. That is, I'm protecting her privacy. But, I mean, and that's obviously just like egos and something on a base level. But I imagine something like that being still true for your standard cannabis contest, as you mentioned. Uh, if you are an up-and-coming brand and you haven't made those connections or forged those bonds, you could see yourself iced out of something that could potentially bring really great business to your brand. But removing that subjectivity is going to be key for those brands to have a fighting chance. And a lot of those up-and-coming brands are helmed by marginalized founders, like women, Black women especially, Black and brown folk, disabled folks. Like having that fighting chance to you know, allow that product to shine through on its own merits is a pretty big deal too. And something that we're kind of uh, talking a lot about in terms of cannabis, like who gets to have access to these huge events and these huge audiences. Uh, and I believe we've talked about that before, just like systemically, how it's really hard for marginalized people, basically people outside of white men to really succeed here. So I thought that that was pretty key too, that like some brands that could really do well coming from communities that don't typically have that access have a chance here. Absolutely. Um, and I, the, um, there's exactly, I, I wonder if other contests or potential contests might look at this as a model, because I think that's important as well. I think it, it, because it's a first step and because it was structured the way it was at the California State Fair, I wonder if, if people can take a lot of learnings from that and sort of replicate it 
because I think it's uh, they they did a lot of really interesting things. Not only the way the contest was structured and the the winners that they chose, and now the way it's um, it's being displayed in this super cool like immersive exhibit. I wonder if if people can take a lot of maybe pieces of that and do it themselves. But um, one of the brands that that won two gold awards that I spoke to. Um, it is a Mexican whip female led um, emerging brand young. And so the, the executive I spoke to said, we're already seeing the benefit of having one. I mean, we won like three days ago and we're already seeing the benefit because now we can say that we're an award winner. People are curious about us. They want to try it. You know, we can put that on our packaging. We're going to use it in our marketing. It, it paid off immediately because it created this sort of momentum around this very small brand that is, um, like you said, it's, it's so difficult for women, people of color, veterans, you know, any number of of folks to get into this business because financing is a huge problem. Where do you get your money? You know, you don't go to the bank because it's federally illegal. So you have to cobble together your financing from whoever. And, you know, if you don't have friends and family who have a lot of money, mm. And many people don't, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's very difficult to get your brand off the ground and to make it successful. So um, having this kind of like good heat, good housekeeping stamp of approval almost from from the state fair is uh, it, it was immediately beneficial to this particular uh, young brand that I spoke to. And I'm, I'm certain that's true throughout because it, when you can look down the winner's list, it's not like you see only the top sellers in California. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, there are a bunch of brands in there that are um, not necessarily uh, the biggest ones or the most established and it's it's going to do really good things for them. They will be allowed, they will be really be able to use this as a marketing hook. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see the domino effect from this. I mean, we, it's not just California either. In New York, the New York State Fair, they're having designated areas, uh, designated con- cannabis consumption areas. Yeah. Yes. And um, it was interesting. I, I think somebody broke that story a number of months ago when there were some fair announcements. Uh, it's in uh, Syracuse. That's where their state fair mm-hmm. is. And so the the laws in New York state are different than the laws of California. So we can we can buy weed. It's legal for us to buy weed, um, medical, recreational, anything. We can buy it. Now, we can't just consume it anywhere we like. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a problem. Uh, that's why consumption lounges are are, you know, kind of getting a foothold and they're starting here and they'll grow and they'll they'll become prominent in other states too. But New York, um, you can buy medical. It's still a medical market. Legal is coming. Um, but interestingly, consumption and possession of small amounts um, 
sort of no one, no one cares, you know, you well, mm-hmm. there's, there's also a big illegal, I took some pictures while I was just there the other day and showed to people, Hey, look, I saw this, um, you know, this consumption lounge right in Manhattan. And they were like, yeah, that's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, Harry, did you unintentionally snitch on this lounge? Did you just yeah. show this? Yes, I did. But, you know, <laughs> Talk about bigger fish to fry in the city of New York. They don't care. Like they're not going to come <laughs> after you. But consumption is—it's—it's um, it's widespread, and it's nobody mm-hmm. really bats an eye about public, even public consumption in New York. So state fair is happening. People ask the question: What's going to happen? There are no on-site sales of cannabis at the fair, but. You can consume in designated areas. When initially um, the fair folks said, yes, you can smoke weed any place you can smoke cigarettes. Some people got really upset about that. So they went back into their policy and kind of rejiggered it a bit and Mm -hmm. said, okay, you can smoke where there, where, where you can smoke cigarettes, but they sort of pushed all of that further and further out onto the kind of outskirts. So where maybe before there would have been uh, cigarette smoking at X number of places around, and it might've been a little closer to the main, you know, the main drag, um, introduced cannabis. Some people freaked out. So they just pushed it all out further. And I think, you know, probably there are fewer places where you can but it is still it is still possible. It is still legal. You will not get busted if you light up a joint at the New York State Fair in certain spots. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. That is so interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see what the next four years are like. Um, Just because in 2021 the industry raked raked in $24 billion in sales. The current projection for 2026 is 70 billion. I feel like there's going to be, there has to be a lot of legislation that has to take place in order for 
us to reach that number, there's going to have to be a little bit of leniency. Uh, so it'll be really, really interesting to see the changes that will spark that significant of a jump. I'm personally interested in cannabis cuisine, which we cannot do here uh, publicly in Florida, but New York has these events pretty regularly. And there's a lot of money to be had in these sort of cannabis-infused menus. So seeing something like this, where it's being integrated into a family setting, it feels like we're just, we're not much further off from getting those more lax policies that will allow us to really see how cannabis grows in the future. So, yeah. yeah. All those events are private at this point. There are a lot mm-hmm. of them here in California too, as you, as you would imagine, these very kind of chef led um, multi-course dinners and um, private tastings and stuff like that. Um, and those have certainly gotten more elaborate and bigger over time. Um, it's, it's definitely with, with reg, even with regulation, uh, like we're seeing consumption lounges, they, they are popping up here in places like West Hollywood, Palm Springs, um, areas like that, that are also kind of tourist destinations. And this mm. is another marketing hook for those towns, you know, those areas to, um, attract cannabis tourism. So, uh, it's it's moving. It's just not moving maybe as quickly as some people would like um, in a state like New Jersey. Like we saw New Jersey right now is completely eating New York's lunch because New Jersey mm-hmm. decided, OK, we're going to sell rec. We're going to you know be legal to sell rec. So, boom, now they are. And they are mm-hmm. selling an, a metric shit ton of weed <laughs> and um, drawing from the area surrounding because. New York hasn't flipped the switch yet. So yeah, New Jersey is doing quite well. It, it, it's surprising to me how it took California two years. We voted in 2016, uh, rec sales started happening in 2018. It usually takes some kind of a transition period to set up the programs before it actually happens. It, in some states, it's gone remarkably lightning fast. Arizona, for instance, b- before New Jersey, decided, okay, we're going to sell, you know, adult use. And then I swear it seemed like five minutes later, they were doing it and everything seems to be working out just fine there. So how come some states, some states can do it and some can't, but once New York does actually get its act together and starts it, the, the potential there is massive. That's where some of that big jump is going to come from. It people are counting on that New York market and the millions that it's going to make annually, it, that it will really boost the total bottom line. Very cool. So we've talked about regulation and sort of how the culture is spreading. What are the next trends in the cannabis industry that we should be looking at right now? Oh my gosh, there are so many. Um, well, we we just saw uh, two days ago in in Washington um, the uh, 
Cory Booker and a number of um, folks in the Senate finally introduced their particular cannabis bill. Um, we were expecting that back on 420. It didn't happen. It was like a real letdown, but I guess not that uh, surprising. But it just happened with a little bit of fanfare. Um, but the broader Senate is not is not on board. They have shown they are not. So, you know, I think we're we're in a bit of a stalled pattern there. As people in the industry have said, we're going to get change and reform incrementally. It's it's not like, oh, all of a sudden we're just going to have federal legalization. It's just mm-hmm. not going to work that way. It's going to be like bit by bit by bit. Hopefully the next thing will be safe banking. But uh, that but there was a bit of hoopla on, I think it was Wednesday in Washington about the, and like a, like a giant, you know, spleef on display of, uh, <laughs> look, look what this, you know, look what this committee is doing and proposing and, um, but I don't, you know, I don't have a whole lot of hope that I try not to be too cynical about it, but the Senate has not been friendly. That's like where all good weed intentions go to die. So, yeah. you know, so I, I'm not too hopeful about that, but um, I think we're going to continue to see lots of interesting partnerships between the cannabis industry and CPG or mm-hmm. mainstream events. Um Soda, alcohol, um, you know, everybody is interested in getting into this business as soon as they can, as soon as as would be federally permitted. So Mm -hmm. we're going to see more links and more, you know, kind of uh, feelers put out from the um, from other industries into cannabis. Lots of interesting partnerships, people who would have, you know, never really even considered partnering with cannabis, like nonprofits, um, and not just nonprofits that are dedicated, like last prisoner project, not, not stuff. I mean, like mainstream nonprofits, Mm -hmm. um, like league of women voters type thing, you know, becoming, Mm -hmm. um, partners with cannabis, uh, that, that has happened already. So, um, I think we will continue to see that, that sort of flow of, um, other businesses realizing how important cannabis is and how legit it is and that it's, it's okay. People will not, um, people will generally not freak out. I should say, I mean, what the last Pew research I saw, it's, it's probably about 70% of the country or, or more believes that weed should be legal anyway. Across, yeah. Yeah. Now it's like an 80% approval rating. It just seems like, all of the avenues point to America being like, come on, come on. And I think having that sort of overwhelm, well, hmm, there are other policies that people are overwhelmingly in support of and it didn't stop them from, you know, cutting those rights off. So let me not say that. But in terms of just public attitudes towards cannabis, we can't sort of remain in the stasis forever especially when there's a lot of money to be made, when the economy needs a boost now more than ever, like why we are stopping, why we are actively stopping these avenues of prosperity, who is to even say? Uh, But I just feel as, you know, a hopeful Holly 
met if we just continue to pressure, uh, you know, Senate and our representatives and say like, hey, there is a lot to explore here that could easily help our communities. Something's got to give. And yeah. you know, some of this is, is selfish because I would very much like to go to a publicly had culinary event. But obviously there are more important things in the docket than my, my appetite. But it just it just feels like we're getting closer and closer. Public sentiment is far ahead of legislation. And I, you know, I think a lot of us were really hopeful when the current administration took over. We thought, oh, okay, now something's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And obviously a lot of other things happened. Uh right. that completely um over because of their emergency, obvious emergency, um, urgent status oh, would override some of the things that were already in the works and some of the momentum that that was going for cannabis. But um, I, I think a lot of us are pretty disappointed about, you know, gosh, man, that ball has really been dropped. And there are so mm-hmm. many things at this point now that can just be used as an excuse that, <laughs> but it's it's a real shame. I, I think the the high hopes are are were sort of dashed, and um, so now we'll get back to being a little more just kind of pragmatic about it all. Like, okay, the change that's going to happen on any kind of legislative regulatory level is going to be incremental, and we can just lean into the um, the public sentiment. Look, pu- the the public is for it. Um, there's a real groundswell. So let's just, let's see what happens there. Okay. So my final question is a completely self-serving one. Um, I will be heading to Kushkan for the very first time in Tampa, Florida for uh, during August 6th and 7th. That is when the event happens. There will be a ton of brands converging there. Uh, Sun Baked Goods, Earl's, Moon Men LLC, uh, Huawei's, just to name a few. And it seems like there are going to be a lot of really cool exhibits and discussions about sort of the future of this industry. So considering that this is my first time, what would be your advice for me, a first timer, heading into a major cannabis event like this? What are things that I should look out for? Uh, what would be gold, like golden Terry advice here? Good question. Um, I think this is uh, because you are a medical only market in mm-hmm. Florida um, and a very thriving medical market, by the way, there have been um, there's there's been plenty of talk in every state that's not yet selling rec that we should be selling rec. I know there's been plenty of talk about that in, in Florida as well. It hasn't happened. But I think, you know, the tax base alone of the industry is is what's going to be the tipping point for a lot of places post-COVID. So um, I wouldn't give up on on Florida going wreck, you know, in our uh, in I don't know, and maybe the foreseeable future. But um, but at this point, I believe that conference will be more hemp based. Um, Yeah. Hemp. So uh, because that. According to the 2018 Farm Bill, hemp is legal everywhere. So um, I think it, it's. Um, I, I would be really interested to see what the trends are, how hemp is being used, where the sales are. Um, you know, obviously, it has many, many uses. It's it's um, 
So I would, I would really be interested to see like what categories are performing particularly well. We've done some coverage of a brand like Dad Grass, which is, you know, created by the founders who thought that today's weed is just too damn strong. So they didn't <laughs> get like, you know, obliterated high. They just wanted to have like, you know, a mellow, like 70s dad vibe going on. So um, it's smokable hemp. And I, uh, I'm i interested in that market because I think a lot of, uh, a lot of newbies and a lot of can of curious might be more inclined toward the the lower, um, you know, let's just say the lower end of the spectrum. They're not going to jump in at Seth Rogen level. Right. With, you know, with something that is um, 30%, 35% or above THC level, which is, you know, you got to have a real tolerance for stuff like that. <laughs> right. That sounds hellish for a low tolerance, but it's <laughs> an absolute yeah. nightmare. You know, hemp is like, um, it's, it's like a good entry point. And, um, you know, it's not, it, it's not a product that d- dispensaries, especially, you know, those that, in, in rec markets, you know, and even, and even for med with patients, um, they they really make their money on the very potent weed because mm-hmm. that is what the legacy buyer wants. But there are a lot of kind of curious people out there. And there are a lot of people who, as the stigma continues to decrease, that they might be interested in, yeah, you know, I have um, aches and pains. I have anxiety. I have, you know, trouble sleeping. I have a lot of issues and I might like to not go to big pharma. I might rather try something natural, but I'm, I'm not experienced enough to, you know, ask for some kind of, you know, high potency THC. I think that would be wrong for me, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think that something like hemp could be an interesting option. And we, we might see some real growth within that, let's call them the addressable audience, the people who are not yet using, but who are interested in it and who might, might find some real benefit in, uh, for a whole host of issues. Well, I think based on the sort of roundup of brands, it looks like hemp is going to be obviously the future of hemp is going to be a huge topic of discussion. So I'll be really excited to see what the innovations are there, uh, how they're going to move sort of beyond the hemp drink, which is not my favorite, uh, and really grow that market into something that can be like viable once we do get to a point where rec is, is in our foreseeable path. So I will keep a lookout for that. And hopefully we can have some sort of coverage of the insights over there um, at adweek.com. So I will keep everyone posted either via social or on adweek, but I'm really, really interested in seeing what comes out of that. Uh, So, but in the interim, Terry, I, again, always have a great time having the chief counselor of uh, happy fun times on our podcast. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a blast to come and chat and uh, share whatever whatever insight I, I pick up along the way. But uh, I, I find it to be a fascinating area to cover. And, you know, we uh, at Adweek, of course, we're not going to cover the broadest 
possible, you know, we're not necessarily going to cover every move in Washington. We're not going to cover, you know, things like minutia of the, of the industry, but we filter everything through our particular lens, which often is marketing, consumer facing, you know, communications and stuff like that. And even that, I mean, I, that's, that's the part of it that I find really amazing because under heavy, heavy regulation, we still find like, wow, there is a lot of interesting, innovative things going on with, with these, you know, the at retail, the brand level, um, the multi-state operators, like there's some cool stuff happening. So I'm, I'm just, I continue to be fascinated by it as, as, you know, everybody kind of evolves and learns to do different things and, and is kind of allowed to do different things like showing up at a state fair, which you never, ever would have thought would happen even a few years ago. So, yeah. Well, please remain interested because we're remaining interested in your insight and it always turns out into a really good story. So thank you so much for all you do. Thank you. Happy to be here. Absolutely. We will have you back soon. I am sure of it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.